Good morning, Church on the Rock. I'm so glad that you chose to join in our worship service this morning. Super job, Braden, and the praise team. Amazing time of worship. Recently, I read a USA Today, and the article said, Today, people are souped up, stressed out, and overscheduled. In this brave new world, boundaries between work and family are disappearing. Everyone is mobile, and every moment of the day is scheduled with daycare, school, after-school activities, and 10 to 12-hour work days. The article said this pressure cooker lifestyle is so rare that anthropologists are now studying to see how it will affect us. We've all been forced out of a normal life in the fast lane, you might say, through this COVID-19. And so it's our desire as staff and as the leadership of the church as we've been praying about what's the next direction. We kept hearing, keep the change. Keep the change. Keep those things that you've put in your life in the last few weeks because there's been so much good come out of this. In the Bible, when it speaks about this, there's so many scriptures that talk about this. Shamnal was a great warrior of David. And one time the Philistines came and they gathered around him. And everybody in the Philistine army, they fled and they ran away. But Shamnal, one of this great warrior, he held his ground in the middle of the field and he beat back the Philistines. And the Bible says that the Lord let them keep that ground. They kept that ground. And that's how we need to keep that change. You know, we got to hold the ground, keep the change. The Bible says in 1 Timothy or 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 14, it says, guard the good deposit. Guard the good deposit that's been put into you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit that lives within us. And then also there's a great proverb that speaks towards this, uh, this that we're talking about today. It says, don't go back where you came from. As a dog returns to its vomit and a pig returns to its mud, so a fool repeats his foolishness. Let us not be like that dog or that pig but, or that foolish one, but let us not return to those things from which we came out of. And I want to encourage you that Philippians 1.6 says that I am sure that God, the one who began this good work in you, he will carry it out until the day is finished when Jesus Christ comes out. This anthropologist and these people are wondering how this affects us, this hurried lifestyle that we're coming out of. The Bible is very clear about a hurried lifestyle and the busyness and the franticness and how it affects our life. The first thing it does, it says, when I get more hurried, I definitely feel more stress. I cause stress and tense and tightness at home and with my family and in different relationships. And you know, one of the reasons that we feel more and more stress and we feel more and more hurried is that as Song of Solomon 1.6 says this, it says that he took no time for himself. It's okay to take time for yourself. When you read that scripture in context, what it was talking about is a person that was enslaved by people's demands and, and demands that were around him. That this person was worried that he might make people angry or get people disappointed. But he was so busy taking care of everybody else that he had no time to take care of himself. You know, taking time for yourself, it refreshes and re-energizes us. 
It allows us to think more clearly and better to make good, solid decisions. Taking me time, it's important. And I'm telling you, you deserve that. Second thing, when I get hurried, that's a time that I lose my joy. You know, joy can just go right out the, the window. The Bible says the faster that I go in life, the time that time just flies away and I see my joy just leaving me. When is the last time that you really genuinely felt joy in your life? Or are you running so fast that you just see it fleeting and going away from you? You know, Carmen always says, Brian, wherever you're at, be all there. Get your head out, get out of your head and get into the moment. Get into the moment. Get into that place where you're seeing colors, you're feeling the air, you're noticing nature, you're noticing animals, you're noticing things around you, and you can feel it. The third thing is when I get so hurried, I'm less productive. You know, a lot of times we make the mistake and we think the faster we go, the more we get done. But the truth is, the faster we go, the less productive that we become. All creative people know this. You get further behind when you get more in a hurry. And also when you get in a hurry, when I get in a hurry, it seems like I make stupid mistakes. I make more mistakes. Psalms 19.2 says that enthusiasm without knowledge is good, but haste makes many mistakes. Do you find yourself making many mistakes? Do you find yourself opening your mouth and inserting your foot? Do you find yourself with less filters and you're saying things that come back and bite you or cause tension in your home or in your relationships? We need to know that when we get hurried, we make mistakes. The Bible says that careful planning, it puts us ahead in the long run. Hurry and scurry puts us further behind. That's what it says. I like that in Proverbs 21.5 in the message. You know, God didn't make us an energizer bunny where we just keep going and going and going. He made us where we have to take time and recharge in life. You can't keep charging unless you recharge. And then the last thing, when I get hurried in life, I can't hear God. And I have trouble listening to others. You know, there's a scripture in Psalms 46.10. It says, be still and know that I am God. Before COVID, when is the last time that you had to be still and just know that God was God. But COVID has forced us to learn how to be still and we wanna keep that ground. When's the last time that you were quiet enough where you could hear God say, I love you, I care about you. I heard about what you're hurting about. I have pain about what you have pain about. And I want you to know that I have some answers for your situations and your problems. You know, God's trying to get a message through, but when we're in a hurried lifestyle, all of our circuits seem like they're busy and we just can't hear him. Today, I took the acronym SLOW, S-L-O-W, and I want to talk to you about four things that, that keep us pushing into that hurried lifestyle. So how do we keep this slow pace? How do we keep that ground that we've attained through this COVID-19? Well, the first thing is we S, we stop the constant push for more. What is it that drives us? Why is it that we're constantly pushing for more? Why do we push ourselves? Why do we push others to the limits? Why do we seem like we need more? 
more achievement in career, more money, more accomplishment, more activity in our schedule, more experiences, more thrills and frills so that we can seem to have that joy that we're looking for. What is it? What is it that drives you? What is it that drives me to where we just seem like we got to have more and more? They may be achieving. We may be achieving and, and we may be going about this because of unhealthy or wrong motives. Maybe we're driven by guilt or resentment. Maybe we're driven by fear or hurt or anger. Maybe we're uh, driven by revenge or our ego or our pride where you've been told you can't and you're like, I'll show them. I'm going to show my parents. I'm going to show my siblings. I'm going to show society. I'm going to show that teacher that said I never would amount to anything. Those kind of drives aren't healthy. You know, I've worked with people for 33 years, and I found out that most high achievers are often the most insecure people. It seems like there's something that they feel like they need to prove. It seems like they got to prove something so that they think that people will love them or accept them. We think that if we'll push harder and achieve more and do more, if we'll get more and more money and, and, and do more to help and be out there for everybody, then everybody will like me, accept me, or love me. You know, we try to prove our worth by what we do. And I want you to say this, and I want you to hear this real clear. As long as you confuse your worth with your work, you're going to always be stressed out. Always be trying to do more. Always be trying to prove more. Always be in a hurry. Always frantic. Always going and never, ever satisfied. You know, the starting point to being content is to being okay with who you are and what you have. Can you say that? Can you be content with who you are and what you have? Until we do, we're going to be driven to take on more. And we're going to keep in that constant push for more. We need to ask ourselves, I think, a very frank question. Will having more and doing more make me happier? Will having more and doing more make me happier? The answer is clear to me, no, it will not. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 6, It is better to have only a little and have peace of mind than to be busy all the time. If you're happy with what you have today, you're not going to be happy with what you get tomorrow because today you're not happy with what you were striving for yesterday. I want to say that again. If you're not happy with what you have today, you're not going to be happy with what you get tomorrow because today you're not happy with what you're striving for yesterday. You know, another key as we close this final point, another key to stop pushing for more is stop comparing yourself. Every time we compare ourselves to somebody or something else, we can become discontent. Comparing and contentment are mortal enemies of each other. You look around and you think, look what they have. Look, what, look how they look. Look what they're doing. Look what they have. Look how they moved up. Look, how, look what they've achieved and so on and so on. Comparing ruins contentment. When you're content, that's when we back off from comparing. You know, you can't be relaxed and jealous at the same time. You can't be relaxed and envious at the same time. You can't be relaxed and comparing at the same time. 
A peaceful heart, Scripture says, a peaceful heart leads to a healthy body. And jealousy is a cancer to the bones. So S is stop the constant push for more. The second one is L, learn to say no. You know, I can save you $5,000 today in a time management seminar in two letters. N-O, no. You know, a lot of us are addicted to speed. Not the drug, but we're addicted to the lifestyle. We're addicted to that adrenaline, the excitement it produces. We're addicted to the lifestyle of going faster and faster and how it makes us feel. You all remember back in the 80s, I'm dating myself, when that anti-drug motto came out and said, just say no. I want you to turn to the people in your room that's with you today and practice it. Just say no. Just say no. It's difficult for many people to say no, but I'm telling you, it's okay to say no. You know, the number one reason that our lives get overloaded and we say yes to many things and yes to too many people. And another way I might say that, I would say my number one would, I get afraid of that it's, I'm going to disappoint or, or upset someone. But the reasons we say yes to too many, too many times and to too many people is because we love people and we think that all that stuff is important. And we think we've got to do it. But if we don't realize this, soon we're going to get back to where we're in that overscheduled, overloaded life that we broke out of. Keep the ground that we've acquired. You know, the Bible says in uh, Proverbs chapter 20, verse 25, it says an impulsive vow is a trap. And later you wished that you could get out of it. Oh, man. When I read that scripture, I was like, oh, wow. How many times did I say yes? And, I, and I'm thinking when I'm doing it, I'm saying, why did I say yes? Why am I doing this? I wish I could get out of this. Don't promise without pondering. Don't decide before deliberating. Carefully and prayerfully make our commitments. You know, on getting into getting into something and harder to get out. It reminds me of a hilarious story at my second church. There were these two guys in the youth, youth group, and they got this idea that they would climb up the city water tower in Lamar, Missouri. Um, they climbed up the water tower, and when they got up there, there was a lid. True story. There was a lid, and they opened up the lid. They was like, wow, look at all the water. And they was like, let's jump in and swim. These two guys jump into that water tower and they were swimming and splashing water and all this. And then all of a sudden they looked up and they were like, oh my goodness, we got in here, but how in the world are we going to get out of here? And man, they swam around and finally one of them was able to push the other one just enough where they barely grabbed the top. And they were able to hoist themselves up and the other guy was able to get out. Uh, really glad they got out of the water tower. But you know the point of that, it's easier to get in than it is to get out. It's easier to get in debt than get out of debt. It's easier to get into a relationship than get out of a relationship. It's easier to get into trouble than to get out of trouble. It's easier to gain weight and uh, we don't need to talk about that today. It's always easier to fill up your schedule than it is to empty your schedule. 
We have to decide. You might want to write this down. We have to decide just because I could do it doesn't mean I should do it. Turn to your group and say, just because I could do it doesn't mean that I should do it. You know, another reason I think it's difficult to say no is we don't realize that we do have limits. Don't take that scripture out of context that says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Because that is true that in those God things that God is asking us to do, he does give us the strength for all that. But don't misuse that scripture in thinking that we can just take on more and more and more. You, we can't keep adding things to our life. Have you ever walked in a store and you look at the carts and you're like, eh, I don't need a cart. In fact, I did this this past week. I don't need a cart. And then you go by and you grab this and you grab that and you grab things you need. You grab things you don't need. And then you keep seeing stuff and you keep piling it up and you're, and you're like, man, if I am going to get anything else, I've got to put something down. I believe that's a parable of our lives. We're trying to make it through life where we're limited. We can't get another basket. There's only so much we can carry. So if we're going to pick things up, we need to be able to lay some things down. And sometimes we think, well, that laying down bad stuff, it needs to start with laying down bad stuff, obviously. But also there's some good things that we have to lay down. You know, the Bible says the, the good thing is always there for you to do. But Jesus said, come get at my feet. So one is stop, S, stop the constant push for more. L is learn to say no. O is obey the fourth commandment. Again, through COVID, we've really been taking that fourth commandment. You know, this book, the Bible, it's God, God's word, and it's filled with so many principles of life. The Bible's like the owner's manual for life. If we obey it, we're blessed, balanced, healthy, life's enjoyable. But if we decide not to obey it and kind of do our own thing, then that's where uh, it's to our own detriment. And that's where we begin to get into trouble and hurting ourselves and hurting others. You know, when God puts things in the Bible, he's not doing it to make you miserable or limit your fun. It's there because he knows what's best for you. He knows what will make you happy if you do it. He knows how to save you a lot of headache and a lot of problems. And so when we follow God's manual, when we follow God's manual, life can be a lot easier and not so stressful. Because, you know, he made, he wired us and made us a certain way and he knows how things have to be for us. But, you know, oh, obey the commandment. That commandment is this. You have six days in which to work, but the seventh day, dedicate it to me. Dedicate it to me. You know, rest in life is so important that God put it in the big ten the top 10 commandments, right up there with don't steal, don't mur murder, don't have any other gods before me. Many of you would say, man, I'd never murder, steal, or kill, or have another god before God Almighty, but yet we just kind of pass off, keep the Sabbath day, and dedicate it unto me. So I think that we've learned to keep the Sabbath through COVID-19. Hold that ground. Keep that Sabbath. And you know what a Sabbath looks like? To me, a Sabbath is three things. One, it's a day that my body gets that, that physical rest. Two, it's a day that I can recharge my emotions. Again, remember, you can't keep charging without recharging. You need to know what recharges your emotions. 
What jazzes you up? What spins you up? What heals you emotionally? You know, it's that solitude. It's that quiet time. You know, a lot of times we'll think it's a movie or we'll think it's, it's going to a party or, 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 or keeping more active. But it's in the stillness is where God's at. It's in the stillness. It's in the solitude to where our emotions are recharged. You know, um, when's the last time that we put down our iPhones, that we put down Netflix, that we put down uh, some of the social media or different things that we do, and we take some time to just hear God and be quiet before Him. And then the third thing on the Sabbath is it's a time to refocus my spirit. It's a time where you might have that spiritual tune-up, you might say. It's a time where you can refocus and get your mind back where it needs to be because our minds can drift and get off in areas that they shouldn't be through the week. So that one day a week, he said six days work, tear it up. But that one day a week, come and worship me. Come and reconnect with me. If we're not doing that, we're missing one of the most important promises are most important teachings in the bible and that's spending time with god getting to know him and having that relationship i know that many of you are having that relationship with god that god's been working in you what he wants to do through you that that that, that you're closer to your spouse that you're closer to your children i've heard report and reports and reports about this so i know that's happening so honor that Sabbath time. Keep living in that life of rest because that is the third thing in slowing down. One, stop the constant push for more. Two, learn to say no. O is obey the fourth commandment. And then W is wait for God's timing. Hurry could mean that we're impatient. And impatience could mean really that we lack confidence or we lack trust in God. I want to say that again. Hurry could mean that maybe we're impatient. And impatience could mean that we're lacking that trust in God. Could it be we think that God doesn't have our best interests at His hearts? Could it be that we don't really believe that God knows what's best for us? Could it be that we think that we know more about our life? That we think we know better what will make us happy? Not God. So we get in this hurry and this scurry and we strive and we struggle and we sweat and we stress for things that God intended to give us in the first place. We get impatient, I think, many times because we don't trust God and we need to learn to wait on God's timing. You know, God has a unique plan, a unique plan for your life, for my life. He has it. And we talk a lot about that at Church on the Rock. Yet the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 3 verse 11, it says that God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's handiwork from the beginning to the end. You know, we can only see to the corner, but God sees around the corner. So when things get a little frustrating and we're like, why doesn't God share with me the timetable for my life? Why does it seem like everything's spinning out of control? Can we learn and we, can we get to a point to where we can say this, God, I don't know what you're, what you're doing or what you're going to do, 
or when you're going to do it, but I trust you with my life. Are we really serious about slowing down the pace of life? You know, if, 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 if that's so, then we need to trust God and to trust his plan with all of our lives and that he will fulfill it on his timetable, on his terms, and in his way. You know, to put it in writing, Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 3 says this. Let's put it in writing. That's what the Bible says. Let's put it in writing. What God's saying to you, write it down. I'm telling you, a promise made from God, it's a promise kept. Write it down. You can take it to the bank. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 1.20 that all God's promises are yes and amen. So put it in writing because, look at this, it is not yet time for it to come true. Did you see that? It's not yet time. Time means everything. Even when Jesus came, it said, but when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son, born of a virgin, born under the law, that he might redeem mankind. There was a perfect time, a perfect place, a perfect situation. I'm telling you that God has a perfect time, a perfect place, a perfect situation for your life. Uh, it, it says there is a time that it will come true. It says, but the time is coming quickly. And what I show you, say it with somebody in your home. What I show you will come true. It may seem slow in coming. Remember, because sometimes we get impatient. It may come slow in coming, but wait for it. I want you to circle wait. I want you to highlight that in your mind. Uh, wait for it. It will certainly, certainly, certainly take place. And it will not be delayed. You know, if you're going to slow the pace of life, we've got to wait on God's timing. I noticed that NASCAR is starting to go. And when you see NASCAR, you see there's a car that goes out and kind of sets the pace for the track and the pace for the day. I used to run a 3,200-mile relay, and that's, um, or 3,200-mile run, and that's eight laps around the track. Well, we had a pacemaker to where they would set the pace. They would go out and set the pace, and, and I would, we would run, and we would, we would match the pace of that runner, and then they would drift off, and then we would keep that pace, and we would push even more. I'm telling you, the greatest pace setter in life is the Lord Jesus Christ. And you can trust him to set a pace that's perfect. And you can trust him to set a pace that will make you run the best time and that you will seal the deal and you'll win the prize. What, we, what will we do in the meantime? What do we do with all these dreams, with all these plans, with all these goals, all these wants, all these desires, all this godly ambition that's put inside of us? You know, we can pull four things as I close with this scripture in Habakkuk 2.3, we can pull four things out of there that I want to challenge you to do today. The first thing is I want you to put in writing, put in writing the promises, the goals, where you're heading, the vision, the dream. Remember last week we talked about the hope. What do you see? And then how faith becomes the substance of what you're hoping for. Put it in writing. And then number two, tie the knot and hang on to that promise. When it seems like it's not happening, hold on. 
When it seems like that, that it's going the other direction, hold on. What, the scripture says to agree with God and call things like he's calling things that be not as though they are. Come into an agreement with him on the promises for you. And the Bible also says in Lamentations, I didn't, I know it's chapter three, but it says it's good for a man to both hope and quietly wait. As we're hoping, let's quietly wait. That wait in the Hebrew is like a child getting up for Christmas to where he's waiting, but he's not waiting like, oh man, is this ever going to happen? He's waiting with an expectation and an excitement that it's Christmas morning. So let us wait with an expectation and an excitement of the Christmas that God wants to give us 365 days a year. And then finally, it will certainly take place and it will not be delayed. Your dreams, your vision, your desires, your heart of those things that God has put in you, they will come to pass and they will not be delayed. God bless you, Church on the Rock. We love you, and we're praying for you.